Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense place at the table. Wow! This is Football Sunday on The Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Oh, that music is nice to hear. It's nice to be another Sunday, although it's rainy outside. Although that does feel way more like football. These are the best ones sometimes. Well, it it makes it way better to sit inside and watch football all day because it's really bad outside. No, absolutely. There's no guilt. There's no thought of like, oh, I should go out and do something. It's like, no, 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 I'm staying right where I am. And I'm the type that always has a window open just mm. to make sure I can kind of hear the rain a little bit. And you like the little pitter-patter? I do, man. You know, there's something like, mind you, I'm not a big fan of the fall. Like, I don't, you know, this weather's ugly every day. You know, I don't want to see it every day, but that's kind of what we end up getting a lot of the time. So on football Sundays, you don't have much to do. It's almost kind of that, it's almost that, that's the, that lazy Sunday anyway. Yep. Where you can just sit there on your couch, then eventually lay there on your couch. <laughs> and eventually and sleep there. Sleep there on, on your couch, couch and wake and up. And wake up in time for Sunday night football. And do it all again, you yeah. know? So this is this is a good day. This is Have a little food, have a little beer, now watch your fantasy football now, team, if, cry about your fantasy it's, football team. It's great if you're... If you're really a single crying. guy and you love football, then this is your day. If you're a guy in a relationship or a person in a relationship, then f- for most people, football isn't, you know, that that best day because usually your lady is kind of upset that she has to watch football. Now, unless you got like a super, super chill lady who watches football too and it's a huge fan as well. That but is that is generally that's never my the life. one I find. You know, <laughs> I, that's that's never the lady I end up. You know, getting most time it's like, okay, well, I guess I'll be in here watching cheaters or watching something else. Well, that's so. okay too. That's I mean, that's also a nice lazy Sunday activity right? is watching, you know, smut TV like cheaters. Yeah. So when my life is out of town, so at the moment I'm technically like living the single life, but uh, living my best life. <laughs> when she's in town, she'll watch the games with me, and then if she gets bored, she'll just play The Sims, and she's fine with it. And she's like, you know, same room as our TV, so she'll still watch and just do her thing, and it kind of works out. It's- Best for both of us. I can see you guys holding hands. You guys are the most adorable couple ever. So I can see you guys holding hands as you're watching football and she's playing the Sims. I have not. Uh, I won't. I won't deny that that's happened before. See, you scoot the scoot the couch next to the. Well, computer. That, that's kind of where it is. It's the computer's right behind the couch. So she's sitting as she plays the Sims or is on the computer doing whatever. She's right behind where I'm sitting on the couch. Perfect. You guys are adorable. Still feel close to each other. And that's that's. Awesome. But I'm not gonna have that today because I'm alone. Um, no, it's fine. And. Uh, but yeah, it's a perfect day to watch football, and I do want to talk about this today on the show at some point. We'll see when we get to it, but we're at the four-week mark of the season. Isn't that crazy? We've already had three full weeks in NFL. Yeah. Uh, we're at the four-week mark of the season, and I've heard this from Suk. I've heard this from multiple other people. Is Every NFL team takes NFL seasons as four-game pods, so you play four games, and then that kind of resets again when the next four games show up. 
So I'm curious at this point who we believe in and don't believe in after, well, we're not into the fourth game yet, but at this point in the season, in week four, when that first session of the season is over. Because you've got some undefeated teams out there that were uh, potentially unexpected, right? Buffalo's undefeated. They're playing the undefeated Patriots today in a, in a good matchup. Uh, you've also got some winless teams that maybe are unexpected, like the Steelers, right? Who uh, have Mason Rudolph there. Actually, are they winless or did they win last week? I might be totally messing that up. Uh, the Steelers lost last week. Okay, yeah. So they're they're a winless team. You have Mason Rudolph. Everybody was really high on at that point. And, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe they shouldn't be because he didn't play very well. So we've got all sorts of teams like that that we want to talk about coming up on the show. I also want to talk about the Miami Dolphins today as they are doing a more obvious, more egregious tank than I've ever seen an NFL team do that I remember. Now, we've had a winless team in our lifetime. That would be the Detroit Lions, and I know they were very bad, but it didn't feel like such an obvious tank compared to what the Dolphins are doing right now, where after week one, four players demanded trades because of just how bad it was and how obvious it was that they were tanking. So we'll talk about that as well. Is what they're doing bad for football, or is it going to be a very quick fix for them as they have a ton of number one or first-round draft picks coming up? And... Is that going to be a real positive for them? So we'll talk about the Dolphins as well at some point in the show. we got Fantasy Scramble coming up at 9.30. Uh, so if you got any start-to-stay questions for week four, there's a lot of injuries today starting to kind of get those effective or injuries that are affecting you. T.Y. Hilton's out today. McLaurin on the Redskins is out today. A lot of quarterback injuries as well. So if you have start-to-stay questions, text them into the Better You Today. Text under 55305. We'll get to them at 9.30 and 9.45. And we also have Hate It or Love It at 10.30. But uh, I did want to start with the Oregon State game from yesterday Oregon was on a bye so we won't have a chance to talk about them really but Oregon State played Stanford yesterday in Corvallis after a bye week got injured players back after a win against Cal Poly and Stanford didn't have KJ Costello and was starting their backup in Davis Mills and had looked horrific for the last few weeks uh, playing football well Stanford won 31-28 And I'm really curious how you guys feel about this and if the Texers are out there as well who are Beaver fans. I kind of thought the Beavers should have won that game yesterday. And it's still Oregon State that has, you know, the same defensive issues and there were some penalties that were a negative impact on the game. And, you know, maybe that Jake Luton overthrew a guy in the first half that would have been an easy touchdown. There were small things here and there, but I'm wondering if you're a Beaver fan and, and, and how you and Jesse Rashad feel about this. Are you really upset with that loss, or is it just par for the course at this point for the Beavs? Well, it's it's weird because almost like the Miami stuff we're about to talk about, it's it's the Beavs. So you don't really expect a lot from them anyway, but for them to be in this position to, to win, like I didn't get a chance to see a lot of the game, but I did follow it on my phone just because I thought this was the game that was – upset alert if i'm using the quote fingers here because they were like only three point dogs yeah like i don't really know if you know i I think the beavers getting there you know getting this win would have been great for them but beating stanford doesn't have the quite the the luster that it did last year or even the year prior so it would have been a good win for oregon state because at this point that's that's what you need is good wins but you're talking about a team that's on their what third string quarterback Second string quarterback in, in uh, Stanford. Stanford. Yeah, second string. So, you know, a guy that, and mind you, he's a second string quarterback at Stanford. So he's still probably pretty good at football. And, and he, and he was good yesterday. You know, he had three touchdowns and two, almost 250 yards. So the second string quarterback was able to, uh, to do work. And on the, on Oregon State's offense, 
I guess Jake Luton, great game. Didn't it wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell because he only threw one touchdown. But he actually was, looked pretty good yesterday. No, he, I mean, like I said, I think a lot of times we look at the the touchdown numbers, and that really defines what a quarterback is doing, regardless of the of the yards and the completions or any I, of those. I things. watched a good so, amount of the game yesterday. He was good. he was pretty good yesterday. He was really throwing some 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 tight balls in there that you know pinpoint accuracy through some tough coverages. So. He he was really solid yesterday, and and of course Isaiah Hodgins also won. I was gonna amazing. I was gonna say Isaiah Hodgins was really the he's obviously the go to you know 162 yards and 10 receptions, and yep. so more targets than that. And then you know Champa Fl- Flemings, you know would end up being the small guy. Yeah, he ended up being better than I think a lot of people thought, and so I think I'm I'm a, I'm not mad at Oregon State because it sucks just because they they got 21 in the fourth quarter like. They made the game interesting, and yep. they end up losing by three, you know, at the end of it all. So, I mean, nobody expected them to come back like that, you know, with, with 21 really almost unanswered in, in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, hats off to to, to coach coaching staff and to the Bees for at least playing hard, not giving up. I'm, I think that's always the one thing we go back to for the Bees. Well, they, they didn't give up. They fought hard, and I guess just keep fighting hard question mark just because well, you want to get some wins on you know on your record and this was as good a pac 12 win as i think you were going to get this season so it, it it that's that's the thing that kind of if i was to be ever fan i'd be frustrated about this because although i know a lot of oregon state fans are a little bit defeated uh it's it's kind of become an acceptance of of suck at this point and that's you know it's that sucks but it's also understandable if I was an Oregon State fan after watching that game, I'd be frustrated because you had two missed field goals in the first half. You had a bunch of kind of wasted opportunity drives in that half in general. I mean, missed field goals are included in that, obviously. And then in the in the in the second, well, that was the first quarter, I think, too. That might have been no, that was the first half. Yeah, sorry, field goals. And then you finally get clicking on offense, but your defense just isn't good enough to stop a backup at Stanford. Davis Mills was throwing the ball over the place and it was just a little bit too little too late. And I think there was the reason I'd be frustrated is there were still signs and there's been signs every single week of improvement. Right. And the offense looked good late in that game. Artavius Pierce had a great game. He pulled a Jamar Jefferson, I would say, of just, you know, wide open holes all over the place, really breaking tackles and getting out into open space, which was great. Uh, Defensively, you played better than the defense has played all year for the most part. Uh, you did a really good job in in certain situations of of stuffing the run and really getting into the backfield and making Mills uncomfortable, but he was still able to complete passes around you. And I think that's why it's frustrating is that you give up a game-winning field goal, you tie the game, and the ensuing kickoff is like a 60-yard return. I mean, that kind of stuff eats at fans when they're trying to get out of these little holes that their teams have built, or big holes in this this instance. And that's what eats at fans. And If I were an Oregon State fan, I'd be really frustrated today. Yeah, I mean, I I understand. You know, this this was your chance. This was your chance. You know, this was the opportunity you had to go to at home, be able to play a a, a Stanford team. I was going to call them a good Stanford team, but that's not really not good. necessarily the case. But still, a Stanford team, and this was your opportunity to, you know, kind of start your season. Not start your season, but keep your season going. At least you have a you're on a high note at what week six at this point. So they needed it. They dropped it. Nobody's really surprised, but I think we were all kind of saying, well, this is if they're going to get a game in the Pac-12, a couple of games in the Pac-12, this is going to be the one. And, you know, fortunately, not not the case. A couple of texts in the Better You Today text line. This is the progress that Suke mentioned early on in McIntyre's time with Colorado, losing by smaller margins in year two. Yeah, I think that is part of the, the incremental change that you have to make is 
year one's never going to be great for a new head coach unless there's just a lightning in the bottle moment, right? You're stuck with a lot of the kids from the previous regime. Uh, you haven't had a chance to recruit your guys yet. You might not have a fully fledged staff of guys that you want necessarily if you're if you're hired late in the in the session or in the season of hiring. Uh, and that's true. Is you want year two to be closer losses? I think you'd like to see a couple more wins just for being positive sake going into the into the off season. But uh, yeah, that's a good text. And this one says a few problems like stopping Stanford on third down was an issue and some terrible personal fouls. Yeah, but the kids did not quit. That score could have been forty eight to seven. True. Like I said, there are positives to this, which is why I think if I was an Oregon State fan, it'd be that much more frustrating because there were positives and you could have beaten Stanford, even though there were some of those old issues that copped up again. And yet it still happened that you lose in the game. Yeah, you, if you're Oregon State, you have positives every week. You know, you, 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 have, still you, know, you, you still you're able to move the ball, you know, a lot like this offense. If you look at it, it's actually kind of fun to watch. They got some, they got a good running back. They got some good receivers, a quarterback that looks capable. So, Wooden slinging it, yeah. You know, so, I mean, it looks like on when when you look at the game, you look at them playing, it's like, oh, they're not a bad team. But then you're like, damn, they lost again. Like, how is this happening? Yeah, no, I, I, I think it, it's hard as a fan, obviously, to sit back and look at it with a clear perspective. But if you're looking at this, you know, this is – I'm kind of relating it to – to the Broncos right now, right? You're you're frustrated. You've, you've you're just dealing with a lot of losing, a lot of losing, and you know you're you're used to at least being a competitive, decent team, um, and, and so you're you're really frustrated by all of this. But what you need to stand back and, and you need to look at the positives and go, okay, that's that's a we're we're going in the right direction. The momentum is heading in the right direction, which means the recruiting should hopefully end up getting a little bit better. And as the recruiting gets a little bit better, this team's going to get a little better and you'll start notching a couple more wins. And then eventually, you know, sure. It's not going to be like next year, but eventually something's going to click and this is going to be a seven, eight, nine win team because the culture is also changing with all of this. The culture was sunk in the matter of a couple of years and you're bringing it back and you're and you're bringing a fun brand of football that fans can be excited about watching, whether it's win or losing, you can be excited about the fact that they are fun to watch and they don't quit because that is something I think there for a couple of years, they were giving up in games and they were getting blown out. And whether the talent's that much better now or not, I think that has a lot to do with culture, a lot to do with mentality to keep you in these games and giving you an opportunity to get a win yesterday, which I honestly thought they were going to win. I thought it was going to be like a 28-20 win for the I honestly, once, Oregon once we State saw yesterday. Costello was out, I went, oh, the Beefs should win this game. Well, I mean, not should. The Beefs could win this game. Yeah, I was texting my beef friend yesterday. I was like, I think you guys got this today. It, you know, and because they're off. Stanford's offense isn't super competent, but I think you you found out yesterday that the Beavers' defense is still lacking um, when when you're letting that offense move as freely as they did, at least Especially after game. they were held basically without touchdowns for three straight weeks. Yes. So text in your thoughts to the better you today. Text on at five, five, three, zero, five. The only problem I do think that could exist. And we're seeing a lot more articles about this out there right now is that what Mike Riley did was sensational at Oregon state with the resources he had and the talent that he had, what he did was sensational. He and his coaching staff made players tremendously better uh, got a lot of NFL players out of that team too, obviously. And a lot of Beaver fans are very proud about all the Oregon State players in the NFL from the past, what, mm -hmm. 10, 15 years. But what's tough is I think what Mike Riley did is he might have built a false sense of, uh, I don't know what the right word would be, maybe just false sense of expectation of winning, right? 
because he was consistent enough to be a, a bold team most years. Whereas I think that's really hard to do at Oregon State. So it might be a time to look at it and say, Mike Riley was a special coach. Jonathan Smith might also be a special coach. It's only year two, right? We might be overreacting and, and thinking he's not going to be able to do it. But it's going to take someone very special to get Oregon State to the level that I think Oregon State fans want because it's just hard. It's just really hard. And as some, we got a break here, but as someone who's a Syracuse fan, Dino Babers is special, right? If Dino Babers leaves Syracuse, Syracuse is not going to be an 8 9 10 win team again. Because what he's doing is really unique and cool. Unless they get lucky and get another coach like that. And that, I think, is something that's important to remember, too, is sometimes it's just all about how lucky you get with the coach you have. No, and, and I think it, in, in the case of like a school like Syracuse, you have what I assume is an athletic department or, or, or um, an AD that's incredibly invested in making sure that Syracuse, as a program, you know, as a destination, is somewhere the kids want to be. And I think Oregon State still really hasn't done the best job they could. I know they're still building facilities and quote unquote doing, doing all those things, but you know, they're still not the cool place to be. I still think there's, even if it's just from basketball, Syracuse is just an awesome place to be. And so, I mean, it's just, it's just kind it's of debatable. one of those things. I mean, just, Hey, you, <laughs> when you went there, you, you love your orange. So, you know, it's just the, certain names just ring different, you know, when you're talking about college sports and right now, Oregon state is not one of those names, at least it's not anymore. Well, in baseball, it is. Though. That's the thing is they, they have like Syracuse has basketball. Oregon state is baseball. They, they have a great sport that they're, they're successful in but baseball is kind of like in college baseball is three. It may be even four. And in, in some cases, it you doesn't know? matter though. You still have something that's successful. I think like you you're, do. you're not just a program that sucks at everything. But when the college baseball, when they win, when they win the national championship for college baseball, uh, it's it's a one time cover on Sports Center and it's over. You know they'll right. be talking about the national champion for football and basketball for a few days. You know after that. All right, we got a break. Uh, coming up next, let's do. You want to do the Dolphins next? You want to just you want to dive right into the question Dolphins? Mark? Yeah, let's, 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 let's talk mark? about the Dolphins. All right, let's do uh let's do a little Miami Dolphins talk. Is what they're doing bad for football? This is Football Sunday on the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Kendrick Lamar, where'd you go? What happened to the music? Hello? <laughs> is everything okay, right. Jesse? Smooth, smooth <laughs> no. transition. No, we're All talking right. football. We were talking football. That's fine. Um, so Fantasy Scramble is coming up next. If you have start sick questions on your fantasy team, text them into the Better You Today text line at 55305. I already got one or two that popped up on there. So uh, get your questions in and we'll get to as many as we can before the game starts at 10. But I wanted to ask this question, and I think it's an important question to ask, because if it works, we might start seeing this more frequently in the NFL, is the Dolphins are pulling the most obvious tank in the history of tanks. They traded everybody. They have a ton of first-round picks. Um, they're really bad, like really, really bad on the field to the point where you're seeing Vegas spreads of 20-plus points in, in their matchups, and they're being covered by the opposing team to boot. So... If it works, I think a lot of teams will look at this and say, oh, my God, the Dolphins strategy, they tanked for one year, and then all of a sudden they had a ton of really good players and they were back, right? Because they've got, like, four or five first-round picks in the next two years. 
if they are as bad as we think they're going to be, they're going to likely have the number one pick. Apparently, their owner is really into Tua uh, Tagovailoa from Alabama. If he's a great quarterback, then you tanked. You got a great number one quarterback. You got talent anyway because you got more ones and twos coming up in the next two years, and then you're back. But what they're doing is also really ugly for football because you're seeing blowout games. You're seeing they're going into these matchups with teams, and it's just like there's no chance they're going to win. And even in the NFL, when you have bad teams, you want to feel like there's a chance. And if you're a, a viewer of these games, you know, we've had bad teams forever in the NFL that you're like, oh, any any given Sunday, that team can win, right? It's It's possible that they can come out and play really well. And I just don't feel like the Dolphins have that. Like it almost feels like the Dolphins are careening towards 0-16 with an, with an abandon I've never seen before, with a, with no chance to win a game in the regular season. So it's it's such a catch-22 because it could work and help the franchise get back quickly, but it's also a terrible product on the field. No, it's they're not fun to watch. They're, 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 and sometimes there can be a bad team that's still pretty fun to watch. Like right now, I don't know how good the Browns really are, but I know they're pretty fun to watch. They're interesting enough to put out there. Even with Josh Rosen, who's a really polarizing uh, player for a lot of people. You know, there are some that are like me that I still think Rosen can be successful, just given the right coach and the right situation. So far, he hasn't had either one of those things. So it's just he's almost doomed uh, and destined to fail. But I look at Miami and go, man, how are you, you – if you're a professional or if you're a competitor on any level, you don't want to lose – and you've been trained to win like everything that you've known in your entire life from uh, from peewees to, you know, high school to college. It's been you play to win. And now you're in a situation where you're intentionally trying to lose. And if I'm a competitor, even if I am a millionaire and do all hey, man, I don't losing for 16 weeks isn't fun. Not being competitive for 16 weeks is not fun. You know, watching you start the third string corner instead of the starter is not great football. And if you're a fan, I guess I can see both sides. If you're a fan, yeah, I hope we suck so we can go. It's the suck for luck thing. The same thing the Colts did after they lost uh, Peyton Manning and they had to go get a new quarterback. And it's it's the exact same thing, you know. So these things happen more often than not. But at least at points, the Colts were still right competitive. That's they the difference. Still, they that Colts kind team, of competitive. That Colts team was really bad, but it this never team's felt, not even trying. And that, I think that's, that's the part that's like, man, okay, bro. Like I understand getting smoked by the Patriots, but damn, like you you didn't even swing. Like, just try to pinch them. Like, do something to make it look like you at least tried to fight back, and they didn't even try that. So well, You're also seeing a negative, too, on the flip side, is the Cowboys last week didn't turn it on until the second half. Right? No. They were playing the Cowboys. The Cowboys went into that game and were just like, this, this team is so bad. We can sleepwalk through this game and win. And, I mean, they were winning. It was only like 10 or 17 to 3 at halftime, and they basically said, yeah, we weren't trying. And then the second half we just tried, and they wound up winning big in that one is that it's going to give you a bad product on both sides. Like, you're not going to get to watch teams put up fun offensive numbers against them because they're going to be sleepwalking through the game, too. And that's that's where I, I'm a little bit nervous about this. So I, I don't think tanking is necessarily that bad in sports. I think it is an effective strategy to try to get better quicker. Uh, sometimes it's needed to fully reset a team and have a bad year or two to get back to that point. I understand that. I think it's worked, and we've seen it work in multiple sports. However, in the NFL, the negative with it is that there's so few games that you're not giving your fans any bang for the buck, right? In baseball or the NBA or the NHL, you've got 82 to 162 games where even if you're really bad, you're still going to play well half the time. You're going to win a, a bunch of games. Uh, it's still going to be competitive. You know, that's there's more of an any given night in those sports than there is in the NFL. You have 16 weeks 
to to give your fans bang for the buck and and give them something fun to watch and even neutral fans who are just watching those games on on TV during the week to give them bang for the buck for watching the NFL and what you're getting is just an SE product and it's and you already have issues with there's way too many holding calls and the there's a flag on every play this year for some reason and the the refs are really trying to 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 look at certain penalties more than they have in the past and then you're going to go ahead and give us a team that's not even trying and the other team that's playing them's not even trying like, come on. So in that sense, I think what they're doing is a little bit bad for football, especially if it works. We're going to see it more, and that's that's not good. And if you're Brian Flores, I mean, because this is clearly not coming from you. You know, like this is this is something coming from the the GM, the owner. That's It's coming from up above. I, I think it's really hard to – Although Flores had to know because he took the no, job. He yeah, had th- to know this was happening. Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of hard to – you know, at this point, you're just – you're a puppet. You know, you know you're not going to be the guy, and you feel bad for Brian Flores, I guess. But you know you're not going to be the guy in Miami. You've been you're groomed to be here and be the face of the crap, to be the face. Of, so somebody everybody can blame. Hey, man, it was this guy's fault. It's the bad coaching is the reason why the Dolphins are so bad. Even if they have all these guys, they should have been able to do. So Flores is the fall guy. You know, at the end of the day, that's that's what he is. You know, the Dolphins have an opportunity to. Or I guess to win one game again, like they did back in '09, you know they they could really be that team all over again. So you know over three losses, fifty nine to ten, forty nine zero, thirty one six. You've scored sixteen points in three weeks. That's awful. That's terrible. Yep. And at, at this point, like there's really nothing else that you can that you can do. You know at the. You, a, a minus a minus one seventeen point differential like that's 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 not very good. So I mean, I mean, yes, you played the Patriots and the Cowboys, and you got kind of sh- shocked by the Ravens' new look offense in the first three weeks. But so you've played three good offensive teams, but that's still an no. You 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 got to do better, and I'm not saying you got to win those games because those are three teams that probably should beat the Dolphins, right? So nobody's really concerned, like concerned that even if the Dolphins weren't this heavily, yeah, picking, no, you'd no, probably lose. Those I don't games. think anybody picked the Dolphins over the Cowboys or the Dolphins over the Ravens. I don't think anybody I bet you people picked them that. over the Ravens in week one because you didn't know how bad the Dolphins were going to be. There was probably that thought of like, oh, they'll yeah. be bad, but I mean, yeah. Lamar Jackson can't throw. It's possible. It's was, possible because, you know, you now you fast forward a few weeks and Lamar Jackson's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, unless if you let everybody else tell it and as far as how he's been doing and everything. But, yeah, it's 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 pretty embarrassing. You, you don't want to start your season like this. And, you know, now you just have a, to, to dig yourself out of a hole. But this is – I don't know if there's. I don't know if they want to do that. They don't want to do that. So, it's going to be pretty terrible for the next what, fourteen weeks, twelve or thirteen weeks to do watch them. They win them. a game. They win a game. You think they, they win, win one two games? Game. They win two games. Two games. They'll yeah. They'll win two games. All right. Well, coming up later in the uh, ten o'clock hour, we will take a look at the good and the bad teams this early in the season and who we find believable and who we think is going to turn it around either for the bad or for the good. And uh, we'll talk about that at the 10 o'clock hour. We'll be up at 1030. But coming up next, we have the fantasy scramble. If you have start to questions for your fantasy team, text them into the better you today. Text on at 55305. You can also send them to us on Twitter at Mike Lynch 27 at Taylor made 503 and at Jesse Osmond A-S-C-M-A-N. We'll get to as many as we can. But first, Jesse Sports Center. 
this is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. This guy. A kicker. I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute injury news and roster advice. The only reason my team finishes terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Rashad's already ranting about fantasy football this early. Jeez. No, I'm not ranting. I'm just, just uh, your team hurt, bro. Here's the thing. Everyone's we're good. Everyone is hurt. <laughs> no, we're good. Like we're our team is super healthy outside of David Njoku. But outside our, our, my team is incredibly healthy. We just keep losing by like 0. 0.7, 1.4. 1. Like, dang it, man. Come on. Just finish the game for me. Like, so it's just small stuff like that. 0 and 3 by a total of like nine points, bro. It's been it's been really frustrating, and, the, and only because last week I lost by like six. But outside of that, it's been like points one point seven. The first week I lost by point eight. So angry, bro. <sighs> I I have a, a team that has uh, Terry Kill on it, AJ Green, Melvin Gordon. Uh, who's the other one that is on there? Um, Antonio Brown. <laughs> no, it's literally the, it was the all IR team when I drafted him. It was like I had Jimmy Garoppolo on it. Um, Chris Carson's on there. You know, he likes to get a little dinged up from here and there. Like, yeah. I just, it was the all I, like, literally, I'm going to go ahead and say, like, six of the players were coming off IR or, or uh, major injuries. E- Emmanuel Sanders on that one. Like, I was like, <laughs> yes, all upside possible. This team just goes to absolute. Right. Like, yeah. All right, let's get into some of the questions we're getting here. We got one on Twitter. We saw it on Twitter. Thank you, Ryan, for, for tweeting it at us. Uh, LaShawn McCoy or David Montgomery at running back doesn't specify PPR or not. But uh, for me, this one's fairly easy because of two reasons. One, Damian Williams is out. So LaShawn McCoy is going to see more looks on the Chiefs offense. Uh, But two, I don't know what on earth the Bears are doing with their running back situation. David Montgomery didn't get looks in the first week, got some looks and and had a good game. But then Tariq Cohen had a better game. I don't trust what Nagy's doing with the offense and the running back spots. I'm going to go ahead and say LaShawn McCoy on that one. Uh, Shady McCoy looks like he's got a little pep in his step right now. You know, and mind you, it's the first few weeks of the season. uh, He's been a a big part of what the Chiefs, who is arguably the best offense in the NFL. uh, He had a great first week. And so he's been somebody that's, I think people have been really surprised by this old man coming in there. And, and playing as well as he has. So I'm sticking with Shady. Uh, you know, it, it sounds as though I know I know you're probably worried about re-aggravating the ankle injury because he did that last week and he left. But he, he left after basically the game was probably, well, it wasn't in hand, but they felt pretty comfortable. Um, he is going against a matchup where they like to give up big plays in the passing game to running backs. I, I really like his matchup today. Um, as much as I love Montgomery, I have him on every single one of my teams. I don't feel comfortable playing him right now until the Bears figure out that he is the guy that they need to be using. DJ Moore or Chris Thompson? I'm assuming that's a flex spot right there. So DJ Moore did not have a great game last week with still got in the end zone. Uh, with Kyle Allen at the quarterback. You're right. He still got in the end zone, but I think he only had one catch. Right? One was, catch, 56 yards, and a touchdown, right. baby. Saved that day. So he is. he has been very good this week. Uh, Chris Thompson's also or this year. Chris Thompson's also been good. Chris Thompson is one of the more reliable PPR flex guys in, in the NFL because he gets just five and six catches a game, which if it's a full point PPR, then great. You're going to get like 10 points automatically. If it's half point, it depends on if his yards and his rushing touchdowns and stuff, but still reliable. He's very, very reliable. So the, I'm going to pull a Jesse on this one. 
if you're feeling fairly comfortable and you think you might have a solid win in this and you just want to have a consistent position of points out of that, pick Chris Thompson. Uh, DJ Moore is really good this year, but with Kyle Allen, he has one catch, right? It was a touchdown, but it was one catch. There's a risk there inherently with the new quarterback who just has different favorite targets and all that kind of stuff. However, if you get a great week from DJ Moore, if you need maybe a big potential pop guy, I would go more in that situation. Uh, yeah, I like DJ Moore. Uh, again, with, without Cam Newton, things are a little bit different, but uh, I'll, I'll probably still roll out with more. I kind of like how you put it there, Mike. If you want a guy who I. I mean, in PPR is going to give you probably a solid 8, 9, 10 points with the possible upside of getting in the end zone. That's going to be Chris Thompson. If you want a guy who has the ability of kind of really popping for that 16 to 20 point range, that that would be more. But more also has the ability to give you two, three, maybe four points. So um, that's the risk you roll. So it's it's all a matter how how risky you want to be and how much you think you need that risk. So uh, once again, I'm with him. If if you want to go safe, go Thompson. If you need upside, go more. Uh, this one's a pre- pretty tough one in my opinion. You got tight end question: Vernon Davis or Jason Witten? So neither has been exactly spectacular to start the year. Vernon Davis had a very good week one, and since then has been pretty mediocre. Jason Witten has seen the end zone a couple of times, but is not getting more than three or four catches a game. Um, the way I look at this for myself is: which offense do I trust more? and that's the Cowboys offense. I think Vernon Davis has a chance to have a bigger game than Jason Witten, but Jason Witten is going to get you like four or five catches. He might get in the end zone, and he's just a very safe target for Dak Prescott in that offense in Dallas, which I like way more, obviously, than Case Keenum in the Washington offense right now. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and say Witten on that one, but it's fairly close. Man, uh, I'm probably going to go ahead and go with Witten as well, just for the simple fact that his quarterback is just better. And uh, they have a lot of weapons in Dallas, but I think Dak still likes Jason Witten a little bit more. It's so a safety blanket. It's it's a, that's just what they are, man. So Jason Witten is one of the best ever. So I'm gonna go ahead and roll out Witten. Um, this kind of I I think you have a, a lower floor with Davis, but I think you have a higher ceiling with Davis, specifically because right now you have McLaurin, who's not suiting up today after tweaking his hamstring on Thursday. That means there are targets to go around. They're not all going to go to Paul Richardson. They're not going to all go to Trey Quinn. They're not going to all go to Chris Thompson. Um, I think maybe they get Vernon Davis a little bit more active today. So I think he has a higher ceiling, but at the same time, I think maybe a little less floor where I think Winton's guaranteed in a solid three, four catches. They're just going to end up being for like 30 yards and possibly a touchdown. Right. Uh we got James Conner or Chris Carson. James Conner's been mightily disappointing. I've actually heard a couple of stories of people trading Conner for very little because they're just bailing on him really early. I think that's a really, really silly decision after three weeks in a season, especially when you have a backup quarterback there for the rest of the year in Mason Rudolph. You're going to be relying a lot on your on your more talented players, which include James Conner. Chris Carson has had a lot of fumble issues this year. He's fumbled, I think, three times already this year, which was more than he did total in the last two seasons combined, which I believe was two fumbles. Um, the way I look at this is very simple. The Cincinnati defense is horrific against the run. James Conner, despite his lack of production thus far, fantasy wise is still getting 15 to 20 carries a game. If you're playing a bad rushing defense, I'm starting James Conner in this one. And it's just that simple. Yeah. Jeez Louise. That's a little bit harder. Um, Carson has had some, some fumble uh, lately. So in this case, I, I, just, I just like to look at the, uh, at the rankings and, and every ranking that I'm looking at right now, 
Uh, James Conner seems to be the play for most people. So I would probably go there. Like, for me, it would be a, a coin flip but because uh, both of them, neither of them have been uh, world beaters at this point, but they've both been just solid enough to make something happen. So I'd probably go Conner. Um, I... I I feel more comfortable with Chris Carson. I know about the fumbles, um, but he's not going to lose his job to CJ Procise. I don't think Penny's active today, uh, and he's definitely not 100%. I think this is a good get-right spot for Carson, um, and you know the Seahawks still want to run the ball. That is what they want the identity of this offense to be. That's why Russell Wilson only had like 20 passes in week one. Um, so I, I feel a little bit more comfortable about Carson. I, I am bailing on Pittsburgh right now. Now, granted, I, I also agree you don't want to, like, sell Connor for nothing, but I am bailing on Pittsburgh right now. I, I've heard I'm, some horrific trades for Connor this week. People are just like, get rid of him. I don't yeah, want him. And yeah, like, oh well, God. there's a lot a lot of worry. He hasn't been good so far. They're, they're talking about sh- sharing his touches a little bit more. You you got the Mason Rudolph effect, which you would hope would amp up his touches, but it so far things have not been good in Pittsburgh for any of those players. One final one before we break here. This is uh, embarrassment of riches, but need a flex non PPR Philip Lindsay, Brandon cooks or Tyrell Williams also have Melvin Gordon waiting in the wings. I would wait on Gordon. They say he's going to be on a snap count. I know he's playing because Jackson is out, but Eckler's still going to be the number one there, at least for this week. Uh, but Melvin Gordon having in the wings, very, very good to have as he is going yeah. to take over those uh, Austin Eckler numbers, which have been quite tasty so far early in the year. The, the chargers, offense is really good at getting multiple running backs going no matter what i think that's hurting melvin gordon's value in the long run um, but it kind of reminds me of the broncos when anybody would come in and, and rush for a thousand yards in a yeah. season is that offense is so good at getting running backs going i mean the fact that austin eckler is an elite running back right now fantasy wise is just it blows my mind and it's because the chargers are like that um so i wouldn't play him yet obviously i think with the non-ppr in there that obviously hurts your two wide receivers tyra william has a touchdown in each of his first three games but they're going up against a very tough secondary in Indy today. Brandon Cooks has had two bad games and one fantastic game last week. And Philip Lindsay, my gut feeling last week was correct, had a very good game as well. Non-PPR, I tend to lean towards running backs, so I'm going to go ahead and say Lindsay for you on that one, but uh, I wouldn't mind you going Brandon Cooks either. Yeah, non-PPR changed everything, so I'd have to go with Philip Lindsay as well. Yeah, no, uh, Philip Lindsay, non-PPR, probably your, your safer um, pick. I'm, I've am i actually been surprised at how they've been utilizing Philip Lindsay in Denver. They've been using him as the goal line guy, despite the fact he's 50 pounds less. They did that last year, too. Yeah. Royce Freeman it doesn't make any sense. And, and Royce Freeman has been running better between the tackles. It, may, it literally makes no sense. They're, Lindsay had a great game last week, though. It, he did, but it's still, if you put the stats comparison in, and if you actually watch the game, he was not running as well as Royce Freeman, which is once like Royce Freeman got the, the long touchdown run, came back on a hold. They get into like the one yard line and then they, they gave it to Lindsay. It made no sense. <laughs> All right, we got a break. We got more coming up next for you, though. If you got questions, better you today. Text line 55305. This is Football Sunday on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Jesse, so your question right now is Jameis Winston is your starting quarterback. Yeah, and I like his upside long term, but today against that LA Rams defense, they've they've le- been they've been legit. They've been legit. So I, you know, now I'm looking at the waiver wire. You know, you got guys like 
you know, Baker Mayfield, Mitchell Trubisky, Andy Dalton, Gardner Mitchell, Mason Rudolph, oh, Kyle Allen, Marcus yeah. Mariota, and then I'm not even going to read beyond there. Um, I like Mariota just for the floor. I think he's safe. He doesn't. He's got a little bit of running to him. He doesn't turn the ball over, and it's a decent matchup in a dome against uh, Arizona team that just lost uh, Atlanta, Keanu right? Neal. Yeah, yeah, Atlanta. Sorry, um, and they just lost Keanu Neal. So I kind of like that matchup. I don't. Yeah, I, I do not like Winston this week. I think that's a good call. Um, yeah, Mariota's safe. I think. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't. I, I'm not as high on as on Kyle Allen as other people are. I think right. that one week was really great last week, but I think people are really overvaluing against him Arizona. Early. Yeah. Um, Baker Mayfield hasn't proven anything yet, and Baltimore's defense is good. Mason Rudolph, no. Andy Dalton, no. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say Mariota's the safest bet of that, surprisingly. Yeah, and then I think I can just pick up Winston again next week. But, yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, okay, next question that we got on the text line. Oh, God, where did it go? There it is. Uh, I have Peyton Barber, Austin Eckler, and Melvin Gordon. I only have two spots for two running backs. Who would you pick? Well, like I said earlier, I don't think I'm starting Melvin Gordon today. They say he's on the snap count. That doesn't mean he doesn't get a touchdown, but I'm I'm one who's very cautious when those kind of players are coming back because you just don't know what snap count means. It could mean he gets four carries, right? And you're stuck with a guy with four carries for 20 yards and nothing else, and you're stuck. I think you're definitely starting Eckler in there. Eckler, even when Melvin Gordon's fully healthy, is still a valuable starting guy, especially in, in PPR leagues because he catches passes. Uh, the question there is, do you take the risk and go with Melvin Gordon, or do you take the risk and go with a very, very underwhelming Peyton Barber in Tampa? He has been quite disappointing thus far. He's playing a very good defense. Uh, I think I'm going to still say Barber just because I don't know what Gordon's going to do. So I'd say Eckler and Barber. Uh, man, I don't. Is Gordon gonna play this week? Yes. Is he okay? Well, Melvin Gordon? Yeah, yeah. he's it, it, active, but he's snap active. Count. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm still gonna go Eckler, and you know, God, man, he's so good. I think I have to go Gordon as well, man. Like now, he looks like you have a, a two-headed monster, you know. And I was gonna say San Diego, but uh, in in Charger Land right now. So I'll probably end up going Melvin Gordon. I know that's probably not. As popular, I'm sure Jesse's going to go the other way, but I'm looking at if you got two running backs that are really able to do this, man, sky's the limit for for the Chargers. So I'm going Gordon and Eckler. So we got Gordon, Eckler, and who? Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber. Oh, I, 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 as much as I hate it, and I, I think he's losing his job to Ronald Jones sooner rather than later, it's Peyton Barber right now and Austin Eckler. You're just... I you don't know if Gordon's even going to see a touch today. I, I imagine he sees a couple just to maybe get his feet wet, but I... There's no way he sees double-digit touches. I don't even think he sees eight or nine. I think you're possibly seeing five or six touches today out of Gordon. This is a quarterback question. It says full PPR. Do leagues have quarterbacks get affected by receptions too? Well, it's interesting if that's the case. Uh, Case Keenum or Jacoby Brissett, that's easy for me. It's Brissett. Keenum showed his true colors last week. That's who Case Keenum is. He'll throw you one or two good games in the season, but Brissett, I think, is actually kind of good. I actually think Brissett's the real deal, so I'm going with him. Uh, I I like Brissett a whole lot. Case Keenum... Uh, not so much. <laughs> so uh, I think Brissett is a, a, a true starter in, in the NFL, not just a, a glorified backup. So I'm going Jacoby Brissett. Who's Indy playing today? Indy's uh, playing Oakland. Oakland. So I I'm, I think, honestly, Brissett's the way to go. I could see where Keenum could have the bigger day because you're playing against the Giants. But I would no way ever want to trust Keenum. I, I think definitely you you've, uh, Brissett's built way more trust here in the first three weeks than you have from Keenum because like Mike said, we've, we've seen what Keenum stripes are and eventually he reverts back to what he is. 
This is a full point PPR flex. Kenny Stills or Daryl Williams? Daryl Williams. Excuse me. Give me Daryl Williams all the all the way. Who is Daryl Williams? He's gonna be running behind LoShawn McCoy last week. He got over a hundred. Oh, oh, he's that guy. Okay. Yeah. He's the one who everyone drafted like we're super late on like the last round pick on a flyer that he was gonna be ahead of Damian Williams, right? That there were, he was gonna get a no, lot of No, 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 no. That's a that's a even another different guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is uh <laughs> Yeah, um, I would go with him in that situation over Kenny Stills. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm uh because I'm just now figuring out who Daryl Williams is all the way, I'm going to say Kenny Stills because, honestly, I didn't see him perform uh, like you guys did last week. So I'm saying Kenny Stills because I don't know who Daryl Williams is yet. Uh, if you're, you, I don't want to lie to you guys, man, and tell you, <laughs> yeah, take the guy I've never heard of before. No, I don't, I'm not going to do that to you. Um, he, he only got, like, nine rushing uh, attempts last week. But he... Text line says that was Darwin Thompson I was thinking of. Yes, exactly. Mm, not uh, Daryl Williams. Not Daryl Williams. Names. Uh, exactly. Um, that's why I said different guy. Uh, <laughs> First name starts with a D. Thompson Williams. All right, are frequently Mitch. used. Uh, Williams, so, anyways, basically, Williams got five catches. He had nine rushes. He got fourteen total touches last week. Over a hundred total yards in probably not quite as good of a matchup. Um, if if Kansas City does what they've been doing and put this team away, which they should, because they're playing the Detroit Lions and Detroit's not as good as their record is. Uh, I say that Williams gets some action there in the second half, and he he gets some love, and I probably like him a little bit more than a Kenny Stills that you're banking is going to get a long touchdown catch. All right, let's do these last few quickly. Daniel Jones or Mitch Trubisky? Jones versus the Redskins. Trubisky Jones. versus the Vikings. That's a Daniel Jones easy Jones. For me. Don't you man. dare say Mitch Trubisky. I'm just saying, man, Jones. But we're, we're falling in, with, in love with Daniel Jones. Really no, fast, no, no, okay. no. It's it's no, Mitch I'm, Trubisky, I'm is Trubisky. Trubisky. Trubisky is trash. Mitch Trubisky is trash. I'm just saying the Daniel Jones thing is a whole different. Segment. I'm just saying. Uh, Melvin Gordon or David Montgomery? Montgomery. Uh, Montgomery. Yeah, Montgomery. Don't trust Gordon yet. No, no PPR. Need a flex. Stephon Diggs, Rex Burkhead, uh, Tyler Boyd, or Walker. I'm not sure which Walker that is. Boyd. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it's non PPR. Why do you like Boyd so much? Uh, he's going to have a great matchup. The slot uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers has been just epically bad. So I, I anticipate not only a lot of catches, which obviously doesn't matter there, but I think he gets in the end zone this week. Uh, I'm, we'll just go with Jesse on that. I don't. I, I didn't know that. I like the. I like those kind of stats. A uh, little good def, uh, or bad defenses against certain positions. So I'll go ahead and say, uh, I'll, I'll say that with him there with uh, with Boyd. Uh, Terry McLaurin out. I need Paul Richardson or Will Disley at the PPR. That's Richardson easy. Richardson got nine targets last week or ten targets without an injury to McLaurin. Got eight and nine for 86 and a T. So go with Richardson there. Uh, and then this is Rashad Penny or Sony Michelle in a standard league. You got to go Michelle. I don't I'm even. Sorry. Uh, wait, wait, uh, wait, Rashad Penny. Yeah. Yeah. Is Penny out? I, I don't even think he's playing. I think it's going to. I think CJ Prosize is going to be the backup today. Rashad Penny is officially questionable. And, and we uh, won't know until 125. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I guess I would go ahead and say don't risk that and go with Sony Michelle. Uh, I'm going Sony Michelle. You're probably not going to get much from him, but yeah, you got to go there. There have been local reports that they want to get Sony Michelle going and they anticipate trying to feed him today. So, take I, that for I, what it's worth. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Thank you for texting in during the fantasy scramble. If you have questions next week, uh, we will answer questions that you send in via the text and tweets as uh, quickly as we can before this, the game start. We are. Two minutes and 20 seconds away from the games getting underway. So good luck in your fantasy weeks this week, everybody. 
And uh, there's been some tough decisions to make out there because of injuries. So hopefully the decisions you make are fruitful. Coming up next, though, let's take a look at in week four, the teams that are surprisingly good and the teams that are surprisingly bad. Who do we think is believable and who do we think is going to switch which way they're going right now? That's next here on Football Sunday on the Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 